I wonder if we could lift our hands all over this house right now and just open our mouth and talk to God for a moment. Let it flow out of your spirit right now. special special presence of God in the house tonight <clears throat> I'm careful not to offend the spirit of God I'm forever grateful whenever the presence of God shows up he's left people before I don't ever want him to leave I do want to take just a moment and give honor to this wonderful group of men in the steering committee of Legacy for bestowing this honor on me again this year. It has been truly a privilege to be here. What great men of God that lead this camp. I love each and every one of them and uh, want them to know how much I appreciate them. They've impacted my life and I don't take that Have we not heard from God every morning this week? Amen. Pastor Tiller has blessed our church on a number of occasions. He's coming back again in October, praise God. And uh, he stirred me again this week. I'm leaving, changed. I just trust that something that we've said or done this week has been a blessing. We are definitely leaving feeling more blessed than what we've given out. Praise God. Glad to have my wife with us tonight, Jen. Thank God for my pastor. I may still believe you need a pastor. All of the accommodations, thank you for everything that has been first class as usual. All the saints of God, thank you for your response to the word of God. How many thankful for apostolic young people? Sister Jones, we mentioned our preaching, Brother Tiller, and we get a courteous little, you know, Mentioned Sister Jones, and man, it's a standing ovation. So, I, so tonight I'm going to try to sing my message. I'm joking. <laughs> you can give me the key. <laughs> How many appreciate Sister Jones? Is anointed. Leading in worship. Praise God. 
You have a little more room for one more message tonight. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. And we will read beginning at verse number 10. After that, we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse number 6. Sing unto the Lord a new song and His praise from the end of the earth ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles, the inhabitants thereof. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their Voice. Everybody say their voice. The villages that Kedar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout. Somebody says shout. From the top of the mountain. Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. The Lord shall go forth. As a mighty man, he shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. I have long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrained myself. Now, everybody say now. We only got one, one, one last chance. So if you've been saving out for anything this camp meeting, now's the time. Now will I cry like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. You still believe God's got a mighty hand? that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Praise God. For the next few moments, if the Lord will help us, I want to talk to us on this topic tonight. Competing with the roar. Competing with the roar. Would you lift up your hands and your voice and begin to let a praise come out of you tonight. That's it. Go ahead and raise your voice. Lift your voice to him. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your voice. Hallelujah. 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 
before you are seated tonight, I want you to notice, I believe God has been throughout the course of this week pushing people out of their comfort zone. I've heard Brother Tiller mention it at least two times, if not every time he preached, about the danger of going silent. danger of being quiet. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me that's going to be a little bit different. And we normally are quick to clap our hands. But I believe tonight God wants to hear your voice. That's going to be tough. I heard a couple pats right there. Because our knee-jerk reaction is to engage this without this. And through Scripture, we have six or seven references to clapping. But we got hundreds referring to shouting and lifting your voice. I'm just going to tell you something. There's a different feel. There's a different feel when you put your mouth. I want us not to clap. I want us to lift our voice at the beginning. Do you feel that? Lift your voice. But I know you can shout your way out. Oh, that's it. Like the sound of many waters. Like the sound of many waters. He wants to hear your voice tonight. There's a unique voice print that you have that if you don't raise yours, there'll be something missing. That's it. Lift your voice. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Do you feel that? I want to tell you something. You can go to a ball game and hear them clap all night. And I'm not against clapping. But he said, clap and shout. That's what he said. Clap and shout. And we got the clapping thing down. But you can go to a ball game and hear them clap all day long. And it don't sound like it sounds in this house right now. But when one God, apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled people begin to lift their voice to God, something begins to happen.
Let me give you one scripture and we'll see what happens. We can preach if we have to, but we may not have to. Psalms 47, and we all jump to that first one. Don't clap your hands under all you people and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. But verse 5 says, God is gone up. Not with a patty cake. Not with a clap. God is gone up with the shout. If you want to get God up off his throne, you open your mouth and you begin to engage your voice with what God. He starts getting up off that throne. He goes up with a shout. He goes up with the shout. I'm just telling you, there's no sound like apostolic people with their voice lifted. Brother Tiller, you said it. I can't remember which day. He's been blowing my mind every day. But he, he said something about praying out loud. And where did this idea of mental telepathy come from when it comes to prayer and meditating? There is nothing like hearing apostolic people pray and open their mouth. I'm telling you, as a pastor, we've got a prayer room at our church and as a pastor, I can be in my office getting ready for service and trying to tie a few things up and there is nothing like hearing the sound of people praying in that prayer room as it begins to ebb up and oh, it gets God's attention. It it begins to move the heavens. It begins to adjust paradigms. Spiritual dominion begins to, oh, God is going up with a shout. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You may not be able to sing. You may not be able to do solos. You may not be able to play music. I want to tell you something. Shouting is everybody's business. From the front to the back. From the side to the side. Shouting is everybody's business. We're in a battle. We're not only in a battle in this generation. You can be seated if you want to. You can stand if you want to. We're in a battle not only in this generation, not only in this end time, but we're in a battle every time we get together. Every time we come to church, there's a battle. There's things that that the enemy would love to put a stranglehold on apostolic church. He'd love to put a chokehold on preaching. He'd love to put 
his little damper on the worship service. He, he, he doesn't want it to break through. And you better understand, from the time you put your tie on, actually before that, because you need to come in the spirit, but, but the time you pull in the parking lot, there's a battle that's raging, and there's a war that's going on for that very service that night. And in, the, in, in, in this last few days, we've broke through some things. I really believe that God has allowed us to break through because of the response and because of the Word of God and, and your receptivity to it. But you're fixing to go home and you're going to have church on Sunday morning and there may not be a collective audience like here, but I'm telling you, it's not just the will of God to shout at camp. It's not just the will of God to lift your voice at legacy. But when you go home, you need to be ready to do war. You need to be ready. You need to be ready to fight. You need to be ready to challenge the adversary. To quickly give a qualification tonight, I thank God for our doctrine. I thank God for holiness. I thank God for every attribute of the apostolic doctrine. I thank God for the imminent, the promise of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. He has not come back yet. Newsflash. I believe he is coming soon. Don't take that from me. And a lot of times, in our zeal, we make rash statements. And we'll say, well, if there never was a heaven, I'd serve him anyway. As if you didn't need heaven to keep you serving God. He didn't throw that in as a bonus. That's a necessary component to keeping you living for God. There's times that nothing else will comfort you, but you comfort one another with these words. That he's coming back. So I'm just telling you, you can't do without heaven. We can't do without holiness. We can't do without the doctrine. We can't do without consecration, commitment, and all of those particles. They all, when you pull one out, you lose the identity of being apostolic. We're not just apostolic because we believe Acts 2.38, but we're apostolic because we don't, we don't cut anything out of this. We believe this in its entirety. That's where our identity comes from. It doesn't come just from a single scripture, but it comes from the entirety of the Word of God. I'm apostolic because I believe everything that's in this book. And part of what is in this book and part of what is being apostolic is the shout. The shout. I want to talk to you just for a minute. Just, just. We've started a couple daughter works. And, and I don't know if anybody else has started churches or trying to. But boy, it's uphill sometimes. And so this family came to church 
from a denominational church and they sat there and they were in need of some teaching all the way around. They were coming. Finally, eight-year-old daughter got the Holy Ghost. Man, we were excited. People coming. It was, it was. So one night I was over there preaching. And I was telling them that we're an apostolic church. And, and we're, 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 we're going to be known as an apostolic church. And we're going to worship like an apostolic church. It wasn't conference. It was church building night. And boy, the Holy Ghost came in there, Brother Padgett. And people started shouting. And they started worshiping. And this couple were sitting with their family at the back. And I could tell it wasn't sitting well with them. And the more that we worshiped, the more clouded they became. And boy, as soon as that service was done, he made his way up there and he said, I, I just want to talk to you for a minute. I said, yes, sir. He said, I, I just don't think that all that's really necessary. Now, I've, I've got kickback over holiness standards, over Jesus' name baptism. I, I've got, but it was the first time I ever had anybody throw a kickback over shouting. And so it drove me to begin looking at the Word of God because I had to have an answer. We don't just do it because we're Pentecostal. Although we do do it because we're Pentecostal. But you need to know why you do it or else it's no different than any other gathering where they can get you in a hype. And I don't like hype. I'm not into hype. But I'm telling you, I am into a demonstration in a church service. There needs to be something unique about an apostolic worship service that you can't find anywhere else. Oh, there you go, clapping again. We had a deal, remember. Talk to me. I'm serious. You, we, 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 we can get into this little patty cake thing so quick and you don't even have to pay attention to what I'm saying to clap. But if you're going to be able to shout with, with a depth, you've got, you got to engage your mind. You... You can be all over this building. And boy, you hear somebody clapping beside you and it's like, oh. You don't have to pay attention. Now, you're always going to think I'm preaching against clapping. You come to our church, we clap, believe me. But I'm just telling you, it's got to stay in its place. There is nothing like the voice that you have when And I only got a little bit left, but I'm going to give it everything I got for the next few minutes. You listen to me. When you lift your voice, it does something in a spirit world. Uh, 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 so I went to my Bible, and I began to talk to God. And I began to ask God, so what's the deal with shouting? 
Is it biblical? Are we supposed to do it? Any of you all want to come give a Bible study on it? <laughs> I was out of the loop, I'm just telling you. And the first thing that I noticed as I began looking at it was First Peter. And we've got an adversary. How many believe we've got an adversary? We've got an adversary that goes around as a roaring lion. As a roaring lion. As a roaring lion. And the first thing that I notice when I'm reading this and I'm asking God to give me direction is this. we got an adversary that's not quiet. We're supposed to be reserved. We're not supposed to get worked up anything. We got an adversary that won't shut up. And if you don't think he's roaring in this generation, you got another thing coming. I'm telling you, he knows his time is short. And he knows he's got to he's got to he's got to ramp it up a little bit, uh, and he's roaring like he's never roared. Uh, but we got to have church uh, that competes with that roar. We 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 got to have Holy Ghost Church that competes with the roar of the adversary. I'm telling you, you don't need a whole lot more than that right there to let you know if the devil's going to run his mouth, when I get to church, I'm going to open my mouth. Now the reason I'm wanting to give you some of this is so that you know what's happening when you open your mouth. This is not hype. This is biblical. This is apostolic. But you got to read that scripture right. He does not say that the adversary is a roaring lion. But a lot of times we read it that way. He's going around as a roaring lion. That is not the same. He is a counterfeit. He's a copycat. He's not a creator. He's an imitator. Because, now here's, here's an apostolic question for you. We know who the lion is, don't we? We know who the lion is. The lion of the tribe of Judah. We got the lion on our side. And we're not supposed to be happy about that. And we're supposed to be quiet. He doesn't have any goods to back up the roar. But when we open our mouth, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh.
That's all right. That's all right. This is what I found out, Brother Tiller, when I went back to that guy. I found this out. If you got a problem with shouting, you'll have a problem with holiness. And you'll have a problem with any part of our doctrine. Because none of it's negotiable. It's not a smorgasbord. You don't get to pick. It's a package deal. And if I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name, and if I'm going to repent of my sins, and I'm going to get the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to live holy, and I'm going to live righteously, then when I come to church, I'm going to open my mouth and get God to move on my behalf. Brother Tiller, silent church won't get God off his throne. Quiet prayer meetings won't get God off his throne. But if you open your mouth, God will go up with a shout. Now the Philistines were gathered together with their armies to battle and they were gathered together at Shoko which belongeth to Judah which belongeth to Judah the Philistines strategically chose where they wanted to draw the battle Strategically, they picked a valley that belonged to Judah. The Israelites have been fighting with the Philistines for years. But they brought the battle to the wrong place. Don't tell me worship services don't make a difference. There's a lot of battles fought and won. Right there. Right in a worship service. Last night, I'd have submitted to these elders if they really would have pushed me to preach. But I didn't need to preach. The battle was won. The battle was won in the worship service. And an old giant started wandering up and down in some territory that belonged to Judah. Judah is not just a geographical location, but we understand that Judah belonged to the tribe of the praisers. The ones that praised God. The ones that knew how to shout. The ones that... But I'm telling you, if you think you can conquer the battle for Judah once and for all, you've got a mistake, brother. 
The adversary strategically wants to recapture everything that belongs to Judah. But there are some things that you need to leave this camp with. <laughs> when a giant is walking up and down through Shoko, there better be something that comes alive in some Israelites that says, I'm tired, I'm tired and I'm weary of a giant inhabiting my praise. Yeah, yeah. This week, through the word of God, there have been giants labeled. There's been repentance that has taken place. But you don't need to leave without reclaiming that territory. That giant started roaring, the Bible says. He engaged the children of God vocally. He challenged them and he began to go on this rampage of ifology. If you win, then we'll serve you. But if we win, you serve us. And you can look at the Hebrew in that word where it says he began to cry, or some translations say roar. It is often translated as the same word that we would use for preaching. He was trying to communicate a message. He was trying to intimidate an entire generation of warriors. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it just for a little bit. He, he was bringing the battle to them, and, and it was an ideological clash. You can read. Let me read it to you so you know that it's there. It says that David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to a trench as the host was going forth to fight. This is God's people. David shows up. And as the host was going forth to battle and shouted for the battle, Shouting is part of the battle. And they get up. Have, we, have you ever witnessed this in a service where you bump up against it? I mean, it's like you're hitting a ceiling and you can't break it. You, you, just, you just keep hitting it. Sometimes you're there in your personal walk with God. You just get so high and you can't break through it. That's what happened morning after morning after morning. The children of Israel get up. They were dressed in their battle fatigues. They were in their trenches. They weren't across the land somewhere. And they'd get up every morning and they'd shout. And I really believe that they wanted the victory. That's why they were there. I don't believe they were a bunch of sissies or they wouldn't have been there. They get up every morning and shout. 
But the next verse says that old Goliath would come out and begin to roar. And there was a collision of ideologies in the center of what belonged to Judah. This side right here, would you just shout? Just, just shout for a minute. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, I'm just wanting you to get the idea. There was a roar and there was a shout. There was a confrontation. There was lines in the sand. Somebody was going to win. Somebody was going to lose. And David walked up into that trench and he seen them aligning themselves for the battle and he heard them shouting for the battle and he's like, yes, this is all good signs. And just now he heard a roar. And when he heard the roar, the shout began to drop down. And pretty soon it began to wilt and wither until every, every soldier was trying to find a place to hide. David's standing there saying, is there not a cause? Is, is there not a cause? You, you, you're not, you, you really aren't going to be intimidated by the roar of the adversary, are you? This ain't his church. This is God's church. This isn't his territory. This is God's territory. This belongs to praisers. This belongs to worshipers. And he's getting up in our stuff. In the spirit, what was going on? Oh, yeah, he did. Nowhere do you find David referring to him as a giant. No, he didn't, he didn't fall prey to that ideology. He said, That's just an uncircumcised Philistine. That's, that's nothing. Uh, let me tell you what God did for me. Guess what David's known for? I don't have time to validate all of this. But you know what David's known for? Spending a lot of time on the side of a hill, opening his mouth and singing to God. Listen, you don't need a thousand people in your church to get the victory. If you're the only one in your youth group, get a harp. Get a song. Sing unto the Lord a new song. We're going to have something that competes with the roar. It's time to shout. David walked out with all the confidence in God that he had when he took care of a lion and when he took care of a bear he stepped into the midst of Shoko of what belonged to Judah 
and he confronted that roaring adversary. He said, I'm not coming into you in anything that I possess. It's not my goodness. It's not my strength. But in the name of the Lord of hosts, that's how I'm coming to you. Jesus' name baptism isn't just good for getting sins remitted. It's good for winning battles. Just open your mouth right now and shout Jesus. That makes the devil tremble. You and Jesus can get Shoko back. That Goliath hit the ground. And all of those men that had get up morning after morning after morning after morning and shouted until they heard the roar and were intimidated back. All of those men, when they saw him hit the ground, <laughs> when it saw him hit the ground, this is what it says. The men of Israel and of Judah arose. I think I heard a preacher say something about getting up. They arose, they shouted, and they pursued until they overcame the adversary. All of that to tell you, you can't win a battle with your mouth closed. You can't get Judah back with your lips shut up tight. If you're going to get Judah back, you got to open your mouth and shout unto God. Let me just say this real quickly. There's revelation that comes. When you're spending time with God, reading the Word of God, revelation comes. There's revelation that comes. Brother Padgett talked about it a few minutes ago at youth camp where you get a revelation. Revelation comes a number of ways. But there's some revelation that the enemy will only get one way. There's some things that the enemy will never understand about the apostolic church. He'll never get the revelation if she goes quiet. All right, let me back it up. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp. And all Israel. That's quite a statement, isn't it? All Israel shouted. And the Philistines heard the shout. The Bible says the shout was so loud that the earth rang again. I love it when it's so loud that the building can't even contain it. It just bounces back. The mountains can't contain it. Oh, It just rings again and again and again and again. 
and again, not because you're prodded, not because you're prompted, not because you're chastened, but because there's a spontaneous response when the ark shows up, shout! And the Philistines heard the shout, and they said, what's the meaning of this shout? And nobody from Israel had to run over there and say, uh, it's because we got the ark back. They answered their own question because they got a revelation when they heard the shout in the camp of the Israelites, the enemy said, hey, God's back in their midst. If you want the enemy to know that the ark's in your church, in your community, you can't send him an email. You can't send him a text message. you got to shout. Now let me just stop this long enough to tell you, and it can't just be one or two, and it can't be four or five, and it can't be 15 or 20. I find it amazing. We don't know how many people shouted, but we know the percentage of people shouting because he said, all of Israel. That means from the front to the back, from the side to the side. You don't have to have a thousand people. You don't have to have 500 people. It doesn't take 200 people. It just takes everybody. If you want to get God moving and there's only 45 people in your church, get 45 people shouting and you'll see God get up off his throne. Young people can sit around and say, well, if I was part of a youth group that had 40 in it, if I had 60, if I, if I was in such and such a church, it'd be easier. No, 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 no. Six or seven of you can get in a circle and hold hands. And when you see a giant stomping his way through what belongs to Judah, you can open your mouth. And God goes up, goes up, goes up with a shout. seated if you wish. There's a gentleman in our church and he sits back here about this far back in our church. He sits there. He can't even come to church consistent now. He's old. His wife died of cancer in the hospital. But he was a drunk. 
was an alcoholic. Back when my daddy was pastoring in a little rural community. He was drunk one night. And he was driving. And he blacked out. And when he came to, he was standing at my dad's door, the parsonage. Knocking on the door. It's the first thing he remembers. My dad opened the door and said, yes, can I help you? He said, I don't even know why I'm here, but I'm in a mess. My marriage is busted up. <laughs> My dad said, all right, guess what? We're having church in the morning. You come back. I know all these pastors maybe have more faith, but he didn't really plan on seeing him the next morning. Sure enough, he didn't show up. But he called afterwards and he said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I was so sick. I just couldn't come. But I'd come meet you this afternoon if you'd be so kind. He said, absolutely. Long story short, repented of his sin. Got baptized. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. God put his marriage back together. This has been years ago. Years ago. And he sits there. I missed it the last little bit because he's aged. He can't do it as much. But every once in a while, it doesn't need everybody in the church don't have to be doing anything. He'll stand up. And you can see him sitting on that platform. And he starts. It's not just when his favorite song's playing. And he starts making his way. And he starts going, Woo! Woo! Do you know what? Sometimes people look at him just like you're looking at me. Because we don't have as much of that. I mean, we'll all come down to the front and have a mosh pit. And I'm not against that. But there's something spontaneous. He's not waiting on anybody else. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. And the reason that I even gave that example tonight was this. A lot of times, Brother Bass, we can think, well, shouting's supposed to take place when the Holy Ghost gets so thick in here that it just lifts me up out of my pew and I'm just in this third heaven and boy, I'm carried away in the Spirit and that's when and only when I'm supposed to be involved in shouting unto God. I'm here to tell you, shouting is a decision. Oh, yeah. David was so happy that that ark was coming back. He'd walk six paces. And he'd stop. And it wasn't that ark that was just carrying him away. It was a decision that he made. And he'd stop and he'd sacrifice. It took time. And then he answered God 
with all of his might. He gave it everything that he had. And he'd walk six more paces and he'd do it all over again. And carnal people can't understand it. And they mock it. And they make fun of it. But that's the only way. Michael stood in that window of observation. And she looked down and she began to critique what David was doing. And the Bible says that God shut up her womb. You want to go home and have revival? You want God to open the womb in your church? Brother Tiller, you can't go quiet on God. Oh, is this all right? We're, we're, we're getting there. Dr. Donald Andrews, a physicist of John Hopkins University made the following statement on May 17, 1950. If there was an atom squeezer which could squeeze atoms together so that only solid material remained, a man could be squeezed down to the size of a very tiny dust speck. And all men now living could be put into a bottle that one could easily carry in one's pocket. All Atoms give off music vibrations that are rather like light. They're giving off vibrations all the time. Something like super symphonic radiations. Most of these vibrations are in the infrared range and cannot be seen with the naked eye. In short, this is what I want you to notice. We are living in a universe which is built on musical terms rather than materialistic composition. In other words, everything solid you see is being held together by vibrations. That's why the atomic bomb, they figured out how to split it and how to mess up that molecular vibration pattern that held everything together. So, Brother John back here, doing a great job on this sound too, by the way. He would know this, Brother Bass, you'd know this. We built our building nearly 20 years ago, and they come to put a sound system in it. And one of the men came in, sound techs, and said, I'm going to play this CD put this CD in there, and it had all these different frequencies on it of sound, and I mean, it sounded horrific, boom, boom, and I mean, he kept tweaking it down, I said, man, what are you doing, he said, I'm, I'm looking for the frequency of your building, I said, all right. And just now, he struck it. And when he did, literally the whole building was going, it was, it was pulsing, it was shaking. You could hear lights rattle. You could hear doors rattling. 
It was literally pulsing. I don't know if you, I'm sure you've done some of this stuff. Shaking. And as a little humorous note, my mom had just set up her office with all of this Anne of Green Gables paraphernalia on shelves. And we are all, all the guys are getting a chuckle out of this. Man, doesn't that sound cool? And just then, I don't know who thought of it. Oh, and we ran. And it was too late. Anne of Green Gables splits those little slates over Gilbert's head. But I want to tell you, she gets busted up too. <laughs> And we almost had to have a Humpty Dumpty moment there where we glued stuff together and strategically placed flowers. And we're not much into interior decorating, but boy, we were creative. <laughs> Why? Because the frequency of the building was hit and it began to shake it at its core, it began to vibrate. So, this is why when infantry are marching and they come to a bridge, they break stride when they cross that bridge because they know if they march in unity, there's a frequency you can hit. That'll bring down support structures. Yeah. And so you can march together on the ground, but when you get to a bridge, you gotta break it up. Because there's a frequency that can be hit. Now, I don't wanna mess with your little story too much, but the Bible says, that there was a bunch of people that had a command from their leader. Walk around this wall in unity. Get in line and, seems like it's contrary to what I'm saying, but we'll get there. Don't open your mouth. Just get in line. Left foot, right foot. Left foot, right foot. Left foot. Get in line. Well, I don't understand what this has got to do with conquering Jericho. And a lot of times, we don't understand what's going on in an invisible world by us just getting in step. Uh, by just walking, Brother Tiller. Day after day, after day, every time they unitedly took a step, there was a shockwave. Everybody likes to get to day seven. Day seven wouldn't have happened without day one. You can't see it. Day two. I don't see what this got to do with anything, but buddy, I'm going to walk anyway. I got enough confidence in my man of God. 
that even when I don't see how this, what I'm doing, connects with me getting the victory, I'm going to stay in line anyway. If he tells me I shouldn't, or if he tells me I should, or if he... Then I'm just going to walk day one, day two, day three. Well, I just want the victory. Sometimes you just got to stay in line for a while. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, marching, marching. And then they picked it up on day seven, and they marched around it seven times in one day. And what you couldn't see with the naked eye is the musical composition of the walls that were that they were wanting to come down was beginning to crack at their foundation. It was beginning to crumble at its foundation. And unity. Somebody scream unity. That's why you need to get behind your preacher. You better not shout if you can't walk in alignment. Just getting up every morning, getting up Monday and staying in line. And getting up Tuesday and staying in line. And getting up Wednesday and staying in line. Do you know what that does? That makes your shout. When you come on Sunday, a whole lot more effective. Because all week long, you've been shaking the foundation. You don't just shake the foundation with praise. You shake it with walking out in unity. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. Day seven, seven times. And then, and then, and then, and then. He said, shout unto God. Now, if you don't think shouting's a decision or obedience, and you actually think that after spending seven days walking around that wall, that the Holy Ghost was just so thick in there, that, I mean, they just broke out. No, it was obedience. It was obedience. Literally just like this. Shout unto God. It, it wasn't no more of a deal than that. It was Joshua giving them the cue. Shout. And when the shout was coupled with a unity all week long. You need to go home and live right Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So when you come back to church on Sunday and you lift your voice, walls start coming down. Victory starts happening. So this is what I realized. There is not one bit of resistance that doesn't have a frequency that will bring it down. 
You get in a church service and it's dead. I mean, it's dry. There's a frequency you can find. There is. There's a frequency you can find to bring it down. When your preacher's laboring to deliver the word of God, there's a frequency that you can hit in the pew that starts dropping walls. Yeah, some of you are getting it, but not all of you. You do know that I'm preaching to all of Israel. If this is going to work right, it's going to take everybody in your church, everybody in your youth group, everybody. So I'm looking and I'm trying to get answers for this guy. And all of a sudden, I realize it's not just our enemy that's loud. Our God is too. If you don't like loud, you're going to really hate heaven. There's only 30 minutes where you can be quiet. And you go ahead and tack 30 minutes on the side of eternity and see what you get. You get a long time of a lot allowed. I think you understand. I don't have to qualify this. Volume's not anointing. Volume's not shouting. But quiet ain't either. And so God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, was called because his friend had died. And he was four days late, but he was right on time. And he walked up, and there he was in that grave. And there was something between him and the grave. And the man that he wanted to raise, and he said, I need somebody to move that stone. I never noticed this till the other day, but I was reading through that, Brother Basson. And they said, oh, 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 but he stinks. And the Bible says, Jesus groaned in his spirit. You actually mean to tell me that you don't think I can fix a stink? I'm fixing to raise this man from the dead. And you're telling me I can't do it because he stinks. And he groaned in his spirit. He's standing here. He's wanting the resurrection to be put on display. Finally, somebody moves the stone. And Jesus stands there and he goes, Lazarus. He just thought him out. cried with a loud voice. He wanted everybody within earshot to know the resurrection's here. Lazarus, come forth. 
and the musical composition, the frequency that death had on him began to shake. And he started to get up. Lazarus, come forth! Apostolic young people, you listen to me tonight. If you need the resurrection, you got to open your mouth and shout, Lazarus, come forth! enough that he wanted them to know I'm dying because it's part of the plan but I'm not I'm not going away forever I, I, I'm coming back it is finished for three days there was a vibration that was taking place in a spiritual kingdom hell began to shake doors began to quake the sun hit its face the clouds covered the sky mercy's veil was ripped open the musical composition that was holding one dispensation back began to crumble as another dispensation began to step out. It is finished! Can you handle one more? I've told our young people over and over, I've told our church, your response in a church service is rapture rehearsal. It's not going to be a different spirit coming back to get you that's visiting this house right now. If you can't respond to this, you'll miss the rapture. The same thing that gets your hands in the air 
when Jesus comes by is going to be the same thing that gets your feet off the ground. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with us. If you want to go in the rapture, you better figure out how to shout down here. He's coming with a shout, with a shout, with a shout, with a shout.